Alright, hello and welcome back to Skeptics and Seekers. I'm Dale, representing the Christian or Seeker side. And I'm David the Skeptic. Alright, and for today's show, it's my turn to pick up a topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what I call the vindication argument. Um, but, before we get into that, I know David has a couple of announcements to make. Okay, hi, I'll make this quick. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, uh, yes, I'm still promising some comment shows. They're coming. They're coming. I promise. Fingers crossed. But there are a couple of other shows that uh, I want to let you know about uh, that are in the works and are almost uh, ready to record. So we've got a special guest uh, from the unbelievable board fame. She is known as Tara. And uh, she is a force of nature. You'll see why. She's coming up soon. Uh, we also have listener Evan Davids, uh, who has written a book and uh, produced an excellent video. And we're going to spend some time uh, talking with him. Uh, and so those are two shows that are coming up. Uh, I'm really excited about them. And I hope you are, too. Back to Dale. Okay. Oh, so just out of curiosity, so Evan actually made that video. It wasn't just he wasn't just linking to it. This is his work. Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't. I did not know that. All right. Um, yeah, that sounds uh, sounds good. We'll, we'll be looking forward to both of them coming on. Um, okay. So yeah. So my vindication argument, um, and basically, I'm gonna just focus it onto saying uh, Jesus predicted his resurrection. So. Um, Basically, it's an argument from prophecy, um, whereby I'm, I'm saying, let's assume, again, that the resurrection could be proven beyond reasonable doubt to have happened. It's a supernatural event. There's no, no question, even though I know David will be questioning that. Secondly, let's also assume we can prove Jesus actually predicted prior to the fulfillment of that event that he would be supernaturally uh, risen from the dead. Um, so the point of my blog isn't about proving this, um, but obviously that would need to be established in order for the argument to work. Um, but it's more about the significance. Am, am I double dipping? Am I, am I using the same miracle event, the resurrection? Because obviously this prediction event is contingent upon the truth of the resurrection. So in effect, I'm using the evidence for the resurrection plus this prediction of that event um, to provide double warrant for the truth of Christianity. It's not just one G belief authenticating event or miracle, but two. Um, now, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, now, in terms of, yeah, prophecies, well, why are these good evidence? Well, basically, it boils down to William Dembski. I, I think the, these are cases of specified complexity. They're, they're actually the most obvious instance of specified complexity. Um, and the, the easiest to prove, virtually no one uh, would question that, um, depending on the nature of the prophecy itself. Um, so yeah, I, I think from what I've gotten from David, he, he'll actually, he actually grants this. He agrees with me. Yep, it, it can be double warranted. It, it's, it's not some illicit means. Um, he's going to take me to task on, on the issue of whether we can prove it. But there is one thing, um, so it, it's, he, he'll take, uh, I shouldn't put words in his mouth, he, okay, so um, in terms of this prophecy, what, what's so spectacular about it? Well, it, it's the nature, he's predicting a supernatural event, and that is coming to pass. 
that conjunction is what uh, warrants me in saying this is a Ghibli authenticating event. Um, you know, not all prophecies would qualify as such. For, for example, I do think that Jesus also, I think we can prove he predicted the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, but I wouldn't use that as a Ghibli authenticating event because we know how, you know, there's no proof that God was involved in that level of prediction. Other people could have gotten that from reading the Old Testament scriptures. It's a perfectly normal, natural event. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to, I think it's the nature of the prediction itself um, that also provides the warrant in saying, this isn't just some random thing. This, this is, you know, we can detect God's design or providence. Um, now, another thing, last thing to say, and I'll make it quick uh, for this is going to be a quick show. Um, but David makes a makes a point in his blog about, okay, well, the prediction itself has to be supernatural knowledge, uh, and that's what is so special about it. I wouldn't go that far, actually. It doesn't have to be supernatural, although that's automatically what we think. It could be natural providence. But given the nature of the prediction, it, it could have been a natural prophecy. I don't know. Maybe somehow Jesus was reading the Old Testament and came up with these messianic prophecies. Maybe he was the, the first one to read song, the Psalms in this messianic typology way. Um, and that wasn't supernatural knowledge given to him by God. It, he came across this naturally. But it's the conjunction of that plus the supernatural fulfillment um that that warrants okay well even if it's if i can't prove it's supernatural knowledge which i think it it was but if it wasn't we can still get to this g belief authenticating event um because we can detect god's design or providence uh through the specified complexity criteria um so that that's my take as i said it'll be a short short show uh, david i'll turn it over to you Okay, so uh, I have taken no notes, so I don't know if that will um, uh, just allow me to say fewer things or if I'll be unfocused and say even more things than if I had taken notes. So, okay. Well, uh, do you <laughs> usually take notes? or I usually, I usually have a page of notes. Okay. Um, so I'm not taking I, notes either, so yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, so I, let me start with your last point because... Uh, with my fading memory, that's the one I can remember. Um, I, I think that prophecy has to be miraculous to be prophecy. Okay. Uh, otherwise, it's just a, a prediction. And there's, there's nothing supernatural about predictions. Uh, we make them all the time. So I, I think that in order for this to be double warrant for you, then each warrant has to be miraculous. So let me, let me explain how the math works as I see it. If you are prophesying about a mundane event, say the destruction of the temple, there's nothing miraculous about the destruction of the temple. But let's say you've got miraculous knowledge about it. Well, that would be one event. The prophecy itself would be one miraculous event. Mm -hmm. The destruction of the temple would not be a miraculous event. Um, so the other scenario, uh, the one you're making, the, the resurrection, let's say for the sake of argument that I believe that, that resurrection equaled miracle, and I'm not sure that I do. Um, 
but um, let's let's just let's just go with that for the sake of argument. If someone just predicted it without miraculous knowledge of it, they just said, you know, this man is so good. Uh, there's no way that God's going to allow him to stay dead, and then he uh, is resurrected. That's not a prophecy, as in miraculous knowledge, and so it would not be double warrant. Uh, so the only way you can get double warrant is if both events are miraculous. So you can't you can't demiraculize one of them and then still call it double warrant. I think okay. So I think that's oh sorry yeah it's your your opening speech. Let me know when you're done. Or, well or no, no it's it's okay. I'm, I'll allow some interaction because I I do plan for this to be a shorter show. So you can you can go ahead and interact with that point while I remember my next ones. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I think I w- that's where I disagree, and I, I have given this a lot of thought because I I assumed what you were saying was true as well. But th- what what we want to detect is God's involvement in the prophecy, and God doesn't only have to bring about events through supernatural means in order for us to be able to detect His design or His. Pr- providence in the event's occurrence um you know that, so that's, that's where you and i fundamentally disagree i uh, on, a, on a topic that neither one of us prepared to talk about which is providence uh but i would i would say in brief uh in preparation for a much longer discussion on this topic probably a different uh blog post that providence is indistinguishable from no god so when the christian argument devolves from it's a miracle to its providence. They have they've given up the entire game as far as I'm concerned. Okay, um, so I hear you on that. So let, let's do this then. What about, what about um, I, I, I take it you're probably well familiar with uh, Bill Dembski's uh, criteria of, of specified complexity. And that, and that's, only, only what I read in your uh, blog post. Okay, um, okay, so then that's, that's not fair. Um, Okay, let me just let me just ask this then. Do, from the limited knowledge of what you know about, the, these are general criteria. The, these are what scientists use in in various contexts to detect design. Archaeologists use it. SETI uses it. So the, these aren't specific religious criteria, but it's just how we can detect design um, and infer agency. Um, in whatever discipline that is, um, again, because you don't know, I, I was going to say, like, do, do you think in general these are good criteria? But if you don't have enough knowledge of it, that's not fair to ask. But just from what, but I, but I can, but I can talk about um, the idea of detecting design. So I don't, I, I'm not familiar with Dimsky. That's true, and I'm not as conversant uh, on the science. Uh, on this, as Nick Sack will be glad to point out. Oh yeah, he's, but it's, he's but more it's, knowledgeable than both of us. <laughs> trust me. So. Yeah, so, <laughs> no, no, I, I have no doubt about that. Um, so, uh, but that said, that doesn't that doesn't mean that I don't have some thoughts about design that aren't uh, valid. Just like I'm sure that you have some design uh, thoughts about design uh, that are valid. And so, if if the idea is that. Uh, you know, we see these designed events that show God's hand. Mm-hmm. If, if the moment you insert God's hand in God's design, you are really talking about miracle. And okay. and I think that you need to either own that or disown it. 
but trying to straddle the fence by saying, well, it's design, and so God did it. Without God, this wouldn't have happened. But on the other saying, oh, no, it's perfectly natural. You've got you to pick one. Uh, so that would, that would be one of my first objections uh, to the idea of providence. Providence is just a miracle that's harder to see. But if you believe that God did it, what you're claiming is a miracle. And uh, so I think you should claim it. The, the second thing that I would say, though, about design in general, uh, so, uh, and this is not my argument, so I'll try not to mangle it too much, I, but I do think it makes a lot of sense, so we'll, we'll try this in public for the first time. Yeah. Uh, the watchmaker uh, argument, uh, you, find, you find a watch on a beach, yeah. uh, and you see the watch, and you infer that it was designed because it is um, different from the beach. But according to the Christian, the beach is also designed. <laughs> so either, either the beach is undesigned and the watch is designed, or the, what the Christian is really disingenuously saying is that everything is designed and you really can't tell the difference. Um, and so I... I actually find the Christian argument to be somewhat disingenuous when it comes to design because what they really, they're, they're not interested in criteria of design. They believe that everything is designed. So uh, I, I would ask you to clarify your position once again. Do you believe that there's criteria for design and that there are undesigned things that we can tell the difference between design and undesigned things? Or is everything designed? Sure. So. I would say that in the first place, the criteria are criteria for identifying um, design. That doesn't mean that we'll be able to identify all instances of design necessarily. Well, let's go back um, to the more basic question. Do you believe that there are some undesigned things? Yes, I do. Can you give me an example? Um, sure. Well, that, that beach uh, that you're talking about, there are random natural God designed the laws of nature so if you want to talk on that level yes god created the universe he created the laws of nature and all of that but you know the the tides going in i have no idea how beaches are formed but um i'm assuming it's something to do with the water and the tides and over time you know sand it, you know i don't i don't know how they're formed but yeah i wouldn't these are not purposely designed events that are occurring where we can identify oh god's pushing the waves or something no it's the moon that <laughs> the gravitational forces of the moon that's allowing the tide to go in and out um so you're saying god didn't design the beach okay so n no but like in what sense do you in what sense do you mean like um under well, I mean, take for instance. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a beach, but this is this is way. Let, let's talk about erosion. Yeah, <laughs> erosion on a on a rock compared to Mount Rushmore. That's a favorite of young earth creationists and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't think God is designing the way the rocks look. Well, but I, I think that I think that falls apart though. I mean, did he design America, Europe, uh, the UK? Uh, the boundaries of our world that that uh, have significance in the, the historical de social development of humankind. Oh, uh, you so okay. you know, if you if you yeah, yeah. say that God didn't 
designed any of that and that was just kind of the luck of the draw then why should we think that he had a hand in any of the human events okay i got you so so yeah on that theological level you're sort of getting into my molinism and on that level yeah everything is providentially designed you know the 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 raw the shapes of the rocks uh, are necessary for his ultimate plan, his design plan, so to speak. Uh, Down the to the very did. butterfly effect. Yeah, um, everything has to be designed. This is what I'm. This is what I'm suggesting. The Christian is really being disingenuous when he talks about undesigned things. They don't believe in any undesigned things. True, but some some so things why talk can about be the criteria because those are ways that we can identify and prove certain events, at least, are. Are definitely designed. The other stuff, it's it's like being iffy. You have to be sort of iffy. But it's like not a, iffy. I, it's not iffy. If God designed everything, He designed everything. He, it, including people. So this is this is um, a part of the the thing that I would that I would hope you would think about. And again, this is maybe groundwork for another discussion because neither one of us prepared to talk about this. We're just spitballing here. Mm -hmm. But every individual in the world also had to be designed. Um, it, it cannot just be an accident of two people catching a gleam in the other's eye across a room and then certain chromosomes just happening to, to get together and form in a certain DNA chain to create. No, God had to design every individual. Otherwise, you'd have to say, well, maybe Judas happens, maybe he doesn't happen. It's just the luck of a draw that he happened. Mm -hmm. No, he was part of God's plan from the beginning. Yep. Every bit of it was designed. Yep, I would agree with for I the would Christian. agree on that level. Definitely. So yeah. once again, talking about undesigned things makes no sense when you believe that everything is designed. Yeah, well, it, again, it's it's at what level are you asking that question? So if you're asking at any that, level, like, yes. So you're you're asking at that higher level. Um, specify okay, spe maybe specify using specified complexity will allow us to identify. Event like my my entire my criteria the G belief authenticating event criteria how I identify miracles this is me arguing for God's design of these events I, I this is me philosophers are using specified complexity even when they might not even know it or whatever but you know you have the complexity that's well is the event extraordinary according to natural laws that that's I see that as being akin to the complexity aspect. It's very improbable. It's, un, you know, extremely improbable to occur. Um, Dembski has mathematically proven at what uh, point that becomes complexity too, mathematically. Um, I, I don't get into that, but yeah, well, I'm like, not a math like I said, I don't, I don't know Dembski, and I, and I'm sorry about that. No, no, um, I, but I'm, I'm just but, explaining like how where, and then the religious context. That's the specificity aspect as I see it. That's when you add the religious context though, it seems like you get around uh, everything by because you can simply say whatever the topic, well, that's all designed. And so uh, you talk about a an extremely unlikely event and you can look at the specificity and say, well, surely 
uh, a supernatural being had a hand in designing, uh, you know, things so that they would work out that way. But the Christian believes that about every level of nature. So, I mean, you can look at any speck of dirt or pile of poop and say, surely under natural laws, this is impossible. This universe shouldn't even exist to create creatures that could poop. And so when you look at this, you're looking at an extraordinary level of specific design. The, the Christian can just use that argument on anything. And so whether you're using it on poop piles or resurrections, it's the same argument and uh, thus somewhat disingenuous. Okay. Um, but it's, I shouldn't say okay, because Anthony's going to scold me. Dale always says okay to whatever. But um, anyways... Uh, <laughs> He, he just doesn't understand your Canadian accent. Yeah, I, I guess so. But. Your, your natural reflex is to say okay. Yeah, well, that's that's what I that's how I listen. Or if I say yeah, that doesn't mean I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying, yep, I hear I hear you. I get what you're right. saying. But um, so why? Okay, so I've lost track. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. But, I'm saying that t talking about extraordinary uh, events is somewhat disingenuous when you think the whole system is an extraordinary event. All right. So, yeah. Um, also with, with mine, though, one thing that I, I also do that could help is that I, I also have to say that these events are unique to one religion, um, you know, and, and also even within the specification, I go beyond other philosophers. I say it has to ha it can't be subsumable. It has to serve to attest to the truth of the religion. It, it's not just a, a random religious context like it's not just about proving oh they're sufficiently attached you got these other elements plus even outside the criteria okay but there has to be one religion either that is unique in fulfilling these criteria or uh is unique in having the overall probability once we get that and and is subject to know what i call further clarifying mechanisms um but once we have that Yes, you're rational and saying, you know what, God is is behind these this event. God is designing. Um, God is, yeah, like th this is what positively warrants. It's it's based on the what we know. It's not an argument from ignorance. Um, if that make, does that make sense? Do you, do you get what we're what I'm trying to do and why? Why I, would I, I think so? I I utterly dismiss it. But let me okay. let me get let me get to a couple of the. Uh, other points that I wanted to make about yeah. your um, uh, your your premise. So I want to. I, I know that you kind of brushed the definition of prophecy under the rug a little bit, um, and that's a that's a very important part of my rebuttal. Uh, prophecy is magic, and if it's not magic, it's not prophecy. So it's it's warrant for nothing. So let me let me just go over a few ways that predictions can happen without magic. Okay. Um, so one, you can just make a wild guess, a, a very wild, very specific guess, and uh, and get it right. Now, uh, how likely is it? Probably won't happen very often, but it should happen sometimes, and it does. So. You know, when, when that happens, that doesn't mean that someone got some magical knowledge. Um, it is it is possible to guess many details right. Um, so another way to get there 
is a, by a doing broken care- clock is uh, is right twice a day, right? That's that's true. Um, <laughs> so an, another way to do it, do it is to get there by careful analysis. So we we talk about uh, how analysts. I and uh, in, in my line of work, I I look at analyst uh, write ups all the time about uh, technology and. No wonder you sound so tired all the time. Like, I, it's, yeah, no, it's it's tiring. It yeah. is tiring. Um, but um, it, I I marvel at how wrong they can be, and still keep a job. But the thing that we really should marvel uh, over is that they're ever right. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes they're remarkably right. Well, they're doing a lot of careful research. Uh, into things, and then they're making predictions based on that research. Sometimes that will be right. So that's that's a, it's not magic. Um, another way to uh, make a prediction is to make all possible predictions. So if you tell me to guess a number between one through ten, and one at a time I guess each number between one through ten. I am going to be right. And then when you confirm which one is right, I can just eliminate the other guesses from the record. Um, so uh, ignore the, the misses and um, accentuate the hits. That's, that's one way to uh, be absolutely right about a thing. And this happens, by the way, in, in the realm of prophecy all the time. If you if you look at all of the religious predictions from all of the people that predict from all of the religious religions, some of them are going to come up right. <laughs> so that's not remarkable because everything that could be predicted is predicted. So somewhere along the line, someone can say, "Yeah, I got that." Another way well, no. uh, that I'm you trying can, to keep track of it. <laughs> well, I should so, be writing it down, but <laughs> I, yeah, I should have written it down. Um, Another way to be right is to write your story after, uh, well, after the prediction. So mm-hmm. this is this is a little like drawing the target around the arrow. Yeah. Um, in in that what we're what we're saying is, you know, take any old book of you know that has some predictions in it, and then you write a story. Per- particularly to fulfill those predictions, to say that those predictions were right. And so you might uh, mix in some real characters and real events, but you write it in such a way where you can say, and that prediction happened uh, thusly. Uh, I noticed that Matthew does this, the Gospel of Matthew. His, his book seems to only be there for the purpose of saying, you see all these things in the Old Testament? They were predictions about Jesus, and they're true. Well, one of the things about the book of Matthew is that absolutely nothing he writes is verifiable. And, you know, there are at least two or three things that he writes that are absolutely wrong because he wasn't that good of a scholar. Uh, Uh, Well, well, modern... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, <laughs> I, he, I know he makes saying. some. He makes some mistakes. Okay. Because uh, he's trying. He's trying so hard. Well, you know, to, uh, Jesus comes riding in on two creatures. You know, born of a, a virgin is is not actually what uh, what the Old Testament said. Um, so you know, there are, there there are some things that I don't want to I don't want to get into Bible errors, but Matthew seems to push the envelope. Uh, more than the others because his whole uh, shtick 
is, you know, every other word to say, and this fulfill the prophecy. Mm -hmm. But we can't verify any of those things that fulfill the prophecy, quote unquote. He wrote his book specifically to fulfill the prophecy. And so we look at that and we say, oh, wow, look at how well those prophecies are fulfilled. Well, look at how little of that you can actually verify. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, that's another way to uh, predict things by writing a story of unprovable things that say, hey, yeah, those prophecies were fulfilled. Um, and then finally, the, the other way of drawing the arrow around the target, um, uh, or at least another instance of that, is we have to recognize that the Gospels uh, were written well after the events that they supposedly recorded. And we know that Jesus, in particular, uh, the writers played fast and loose with Jesus sayings. So we don't actually know that Jesus predicted his, uh, his resurrection. We know that after the fact, those words were put into his mouth, but you can't prove that he said that in advance, and I can't prove that he didn't. We're just kind of stuck there. Uh, but you know, offering that as some kind of proof because it's written down in the Gospels, I think that we know by now that just because it was written down in the Gospels is something that Jesus said is not proof that that's something that Jesus said. So um, I would say that we have no way of knowing whether any prophecy has taken place, even if you grant the resurrection. Let me just, let me just take uh, another 60 seconds on the resurrection, maybe, maybe 120 seconds. We have no way of knowing whether the resurrection uh, actually happened. So even if, we, even if we take the Gospels as seriously as possible um, and try to treat them as... as uh, evidence and, and physically examine them today. The best we get is uh, Jesus was crucified. We do not actually get that he died. He was he was actually taken down from the cross earlier uh, than the others because other people who were crucified with him were still alive. So we know that it's possible for a person to still be alive having been crucified as much as Jesus. They didn't have to break his bones. They broke the other's bones because they were still alive. And this seems to be a story plot simply so that uh, the writer can say, oh, and none of his bones were broken because you couldn't offer a sacrificial lamb with broken bones. So um, we, we get a scene where we've got a man on the cross. We don't actually, we don't actually have evidence of him dying. We don't have any uh, real good word images of him being put in the tomb. Uh, and we don't have any witnesses of him coming out of the tomb. And what we have, by way of eyewitnesses, are people who saw him, talked to him, walked with him, and didn't believe that he was who he said he was. It, it took a long time and a lot of proofs that, you know, when you examine the proofs, they don't really make sense. Uh, and so I think the most likely scenario, if you examine this information, is that if someone did die on a cross, the one who came back wasn't the same guy. He's, he's someone who played the Dread uh, Pirate uh, Roberts, and he didn't have to play the part for very long. All he had to do was convince a few key people and then exit stage left. Uh, and so that's the best that we can say. We could even say that Jesus didn't die. It was a swoon thing. We, we could go there if we wanted to. Um, but we don't have anything evidence that closes the loop that he actually died that he was placed in the tomb that he woke up from the tomb and walked out of the tomb we don't have eyewitnesses of many of these key things that would 
verify your miracle. So we still need faith to accept that this resurrection ever happened uh, and that, that anything miraculous happened here. So you can't, in conclusion, you can't have double warrant without having a, a single warrant. Mm -hmm. You don't have the single warrant of the resurrection as a miracle. You don't even have the single warrant to prove that there was any kind of miraculous prophecy happening. And so at the end of the day, I don't think your argument ever gets off the ground. That's, that's uh, my counter. Okay. Um, okay, so yeah, I, I've definitely lost track. Uh, you made about six or seven points there, um, and they were good, and I had responses. But okay, so the earliest one I can remember is you were talking about the nature of the prediction and you know predictions happen all the time but there's nothing special about them and, and you gave some certain way I think about three ways if I remember two or three ways that people can make predictions and there's nothing special about it but that that's why I wanted to stress but in this case he's predicting a miracle that is remarkable that doesn't happen all the time that in fact, that's unique. It's only ever happened once, so far as I can tell. Um, or so far as I people can... People predict miracles all the time. And that uh, actually come true? Just, should, just, should. just days ago, mm -hmm. um, what's his name? Pat Robertson uh, stood up before his audience and prayed and had you know, his audience you know, put, putting their hands you know, wherever and, and prayed that the storm... Uh, that was coming would go back to the ocean and or but you know bypass so, yeah. this area and it, you know he so, was praying for a miracle and then later he claimed that his miracle came true miracle miracle prayers and well, <laughs> that's a prayer <laughs> uh, okay. even if even if it's true which is, there's nothing this is just Horse, Church prophets get up so. and do this all the time every Sunday. Okay, every Sunday. Yeah. Just walk into any Pentecostal uh, church, someone is making a, a magical prediction. David, um, I, 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 you know full well, I guarantee you, you do not think that is the, the storm going away is not a miracle. You, but they, compared but they, to the resurrection, they call it a miracle. If, no, I don't I think don't. it's a miracle, but they think it's a miracle. Okay, well, that's their fault, their problem, right? Like that—that that doesn't mean <laughs> if a, if a resurrection is—is is there? Can you see at least a difference? Um, I know you wouldn't even grant the resurrection necessarily as a supernatural miracle, which is what I'm—I'm I'm just keeping it simple for the sake of the show. But is there at least some kind of a difference between predicting between a resurrection, someone actually dead, and rising, compared to? Oh well, a, the storm abated or, or changed direction, or something like that. There, there's a difference between those two events, at least, even if it doesn't rise to the occasion of supernatural. In your opinion, isn't there a difference in the event? Well, first of all, I don't think there is as big of a difference between prediction and prayer as you think. Uh, so, prayer is a statement that you believe a thing has already happened by by some descriptions of prayer so okay. it is it is a it is a pronouncement of confidence in an event not yet occurred that's that's also a prediction so i don't i don't actually think that there's a, a huge gulf between prediction and prayer and when people get up and pray 
that miraculous things happen with the confidence uh, that uh, it is going to happen, or in fact that it has already occurred as, as Jesus commanded to pray. I, I think that that's, that's a very similar thing. Okay, that that's interesting. Um, honestly, it's weird. I've never, it, like, all I can say is what? Like, no, at least I've never ever heard that praying for something means that you're making a prediction and you're confident it will come actually come to pass. Like when really? I, you, when never, I pr- you never heard, you never read the passage where Jesus says, "Pray as as if uh, the thing has already been granted." Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Okay, okay, so that's what you mean. We. We've been over that. It doesn't mean what you say it means. This is one of the the groaner arguments for me. Like it, it's remember I, g- I gave you the supplement in First John. What what did you make of that? Um, we're getting slightly off topic, but okay. So we have a disagreement then. You see prayer as an actual prediction based on, I see on some that one prayers, verse. Some prayers as an actual prediction, and it's not just based on that verse. It's based on listening to people pray these prayers. Okay. I don't know where you go to church. Okay, so let, let's say it is. A, I've, I've never, I've I've never heard all, that. <laughs> all kinds of churches all over the country. I have, I have heard with my own ears these prayers of confidence. But that's okay. You don't have to travel. Just go on the internet and look up uh, Pentecostal prayers. Go to YouTube. Go to Bing videos. You can, you can watch people pray these prayers that I think even you would find indistinguishable from prediction. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I've, I've been to a few Pentecostal churches. Um, they distinguish between prayers and prophecies. Um, but, yeah, send me a couple of videos. I'll be interested to see if people are actually putting prayers as actual predictions, as, you know, in, in the sense that, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow I'm going to win the lottery, or tomorrow... A storm will come. Yeah, I've or seen something. That, absolutely seen that kind of thing. Not with, okay. not in terms of the lottery, but absolutely. Um, with, um, okay, so let, let's say that's true. Then you still need the the actual fulfillment or the event itself needs to be of an extraordinary nature. Okay, the, but the abating I, I of a storm. Give you, I can't give you fulfillment of any miracle uh, prayer or any miracle prophecy. But then you can't either. The people who pray these prayers claim that their prayers have been fulfilled, just like you claim the resurrection has happened. I have just given you reasons why I don't think you can make the claim that the resurrection has happened. The yep, best you I can, haven't, I haven't you know, gotten there yet. So right, I'm, no, I understand that. But you you keep using the resurrection, and in every resurrection case you have tried to make, your uh, going in position is just grant that this happened. Yeah, and you know why I do that, right? Well, uh, like it's, I would it's say a specific reason, tactic I, of mine. Right? I understand. The, I understand the tactic, but I would say beyond the tactic, you have to do it because you can't do anything else. And I, I do not grant that the resurrection happened. Um, I, I'm looking at the evidence that you give, and it does not lead to a resurrection. It, it doesn't lead to the miracle that you claim happened any more than the Pentecostal prayer or the Pentecostal prophet any more than their evidence proves that their stuff came true. Okay. The, the resurrection so, is no more proven than that. Right. I get, I get that that's your, your position. Um, before I get to that though, you, you're another, the second point in order that I remember you mentioning is, uh, let me just check the time. Okay. So great. Um, uh, so yeah, that uh, part of, 
Bill Dembski's criteria um, for specificity. It has to be delimited, right? He, he uses the same example of, of the target and, and the arrow and that sort of thing. So the, there has to be an actual target kind of thing. So this is responding to your point about, oh, well, there's if you prophesy everything, you're bound to get some stuff right. Um, so that that's why this prophecy is a delimited thing. Jesus didn't, first of all, Jesus didn't prophesy everything. He did prophesy some things. And here's here's an interesting point that you bring up. What We also have to take into account um, prophecies that he might have gotten wrong as well. So, for example, I, I don't believe this. I think it's an interpretational thing. But I think there is some truth to this skeptical argument that early Christians believed that Jesus was predicting that the end of the world would come soon. It's been a couple thousand years. That's that's not the normal definition of soon. Um, you know, this this okay, let, already... let me just cut you off real quick and uh -huh. agree with you. Um, I, I don't you don't have to make that case. Okay. I, I actually don't believe that a wrong prophecy means that you can't make a right prophecy. I think you can it, I think every word out of your mouth from the time you're born to the die, time you die can be a lie except for one true thing that you say. Okay. That doesn't mean that that one true thing isn't true. So um, okay. you know that this this criteria that God only deals with people who are accurate, all the time. I know it's a biblical idea, but I'm not. I'm not trying to press the theological notion. Um, just gotcha. philosophically speaking, I can be a false prophet all of my life and receive one true prophecy and make that. You still have. You can't. You can't say, well, the true false prophecy is false because I'm a false prophet in general. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay. Great. So I'll, I'll leave that point then. So the next point that I remember. This is about Matthew. Uh, this is more getting into biblical hermeneutics. And you said he, you know, G Jesus went down to Egypt. Oh, this fulfills the prophecy, right? Because um, uh, he's just like Israel, you know, Israel went into slavery into Egypt. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. I don't, you can't use this. This is why I don't use messianic prophecies as an argument anymore. I, I don't think we can argue at least things like the ones you're talking about in Matthew are prophecies. They don't fulfill specified complexity, um, but they they are messianic typology, and this is a Jewish thing. I wouldn't use this as proof that Christianity is true, but it is in the sense that, okay, when you're looking back, there's, there's some kind of quote Alistair McGrath uses from C.S. Lewis about the sun. In light of the sunlight, you can see everything sort of makes sense. You can see what these are, are what these are really meaning um, to say and, and the significance behind okay well the Messiah is a, is the fulfillment of Israel he he's like the representation of the nation so just like the nation went down into Egypt so did the Messiah go down into Egypt um, that that's the kind of thing that Matthew's doing and, and the reason I was saying well he's not when you say he's not a good scholar actually he was just not by our standards. He's not trying to get at um, a, a literal direct fulfillment. He's using a standard Jewish um, interpretational technique. Um, That's fine. That, then you can't. You also can't take what he says seriously when he says Jesus said this, because he may have been using some some poetic um, device there too. So I mean, 
you know, when Matthew well, says bear, Jesus bear predicted mind, his resurrection, you know, that that doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus predicted his resurrection. Yeah. Well, but one point to bear in mind, though, don't, because uh, I know, you know, sometimes I go liberal and stuff like that, but that just because uh, Matthew's using this typology type argument, that, that doesn't mean that both events aren't necessarily true. Maybe it is true that Jesus actually did go down to Egypt and that um, obviously is, Israel went to slavery in Egypt and was rescued out. Both events could be true. They don't have to be poetry or something like that. But still, what the point is when you're arguing from prophecy, I'm, I'm sorry, the Old Testament didn't prophes prophesy that the, the Messiah will go to Egypt and come and get called out as God's son. That, that's, you can't make that argument from prophecy. That's the point I'm trying to distinguish and why so I don't... both agree on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that, it, it doesn't necessarily mean they're not true. Um, well, but that's just, not something you can verify. We, correct. We are, um, in the main, in heated agreement on this point. Okay. And then, okay, so here's your last point, and here's what you want to get to. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't. I haven't taken any efforts. I, I promise I, I will. But I like, as a tactic, I want to start with, there, there's no point in getting into all these long debates. I want to see, well, what's the significance? Let's pretend I've done all this hard work, the groundwork, and I actually finally get you and or any skeptics listening to go, yeah, you know what? Gosh darn it, I think the resurrection uh, actually happened. You, you got me. Um, I believe this happened. I believe Jesus predicted his resurrection. Great. Well, what, what's the significance of that? And that, that's what I wanted to, to focus on uh, in this one. And since you, you agreed with my main premise, I, I, I didn't know that you would actually. So I was impressed. Uh, that you did but then there's also this other element that you say but the nature of the prophecy is relevant to the significance as well and that's where we've been debating uh you know do, do both does do both the prophecy and the event itself have to be extraordinary or supernatural or miraculous or whatever or can one of the elements be so like yeah that, but you're that's claiming double warrant and so that uh, so warrant in this context means that something some G belief uh, miraculous thing occurred. Mm -hmm. So each thing has to meet that standard of warrant. Yes. To to have double warrant. And so it is it is incredibly important that the prophecy be uh, warrant in that it is non natural magical uh, miraculous knowledge of a thing because if it's not then it's it's not warrant in the way that you're talking mm -hmm. about so no, if, you're, if you're saying can a mundane prediction of a miraculous thing be double warrant the answer is no so my my agreement with your um, uh, uh, premise has to be that both things rise to the level of G belief warrant. They are two separate things. No, okay. So that's that's not I get I get why you would say that, but they they are so it's the the vindicate these prophecy argument, it's the conjunction of the two. It, it's saying that we can prove design, God's involvement in whatever way. Um 
in the prediction and its fulfillment. Um, that's where we detect the design. That's where the specified specified complexity includes within it the events occurrence. Uh, that that's how you make a prophecy argument work. It, you okay, can't... right. But the prophecy then has to. How did a person come by that specific knowledge? Yeah. Well, that that was my point. Is it? We don't have to specify. It doesn't have to be. But I think we do have to specify uh, because once again, I can, if you ask me about a scenario. Uh, say in you know the upcoming presidential elections in the U.S., uh, and you know you ask me about a who would win and b by you know what percentage and then what's the breakdown of Democratic, Republican, Independent, uh, and then what's the breakdown by um, state, uh, and then we could even uh, go and within you know certain states what's the breakdown by county. I could get all of those things right. But the real question would be, how did I get them right? And that's the, that's the difference between me just making a good prediction and being a prophet. Um, a, another example of that uh, that happens more on a daily basis, not, not quite daily, but uh, would be lottery winners. So you give me a ticket and I put down six numbers that happen to be correct and also another number for the super Powerball multiplier, uh, and I get that one right too. So I've got seven numbers right. Uh, not only right, but I actually got them in the order that the numbers were called out <laughs> on TV or written in the newspapers. Um, this happens all the time, uh, actually. Well, you know, once again, not every day, but it's it's not uncommon. People win big lotteries. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that there's a lot of specificity mm, in no. those lottery wins. No, but not, there's none. That's complexity, actually. That's what that applies. That stuff like that is complexity. Okay, but it, it required no no magical knowledge to do it. Okay, true. Um, and so what I what I am trying to say is, no matter how, no matter what you say about specificity and complexity. It's how you came by that knowledge that makes it prophecy or not prophecy. Okay. And if okay. it's not prophecy, it's not warrant. Okay. So, so great. This is a good, um, uh, a good area of disagreement because I, I want to make the argument that it's, it's actually not necessary that at the moment Jesus made the prediction, he, oh, God overwhelmed him. He had some kind of supernatural knowledge. I, I mean. There's nothing wrong. Of, of course, this is better if this is the case. Great, I'm happy to expect to say, well, he had supernatural knowledge. That's fine. But I don't think it's necessary to make the case that this prophecy fulfills the criteria for specified complexity. Um, the prediction and the event's fulfillment were designed. We, we can identify them as being designed. And then this provides... Uh, the double warrant kind of thing. It's it's also we had a design prediction, a design yeah, uh, and fulfillment. Plus, we have this event itself. Um, so yeah, I think that that would be sort of where people can chew chew over. And I'll let you have the, the last word. Is there is there anything else that you think any other topics on this? Or are you you good with what we covered? Nah, I'm good. Cool. Um, I, yeah, I think uh, as a last word, I would just say at the end of the day, um, 
uh, you don't you haven't established any warrant and you you know that so there's no need to uh, hammer on the point but when you when you do finally get around to trying to establish warrant on the resurrection uh, you're gonna face all of the same problems that I bring up uh, now which is at the end of the day it requires a leap of faith you can only bring up so much evidence and by the way every bit of the evidence you bring up can be uh, questioned uh, I, I accept very little of it, but I grant all of the evidence that you bring up, and it still doesn't get you to a resurrection. That's the problem uh, with Christian faith claims. I'll, I'll grant every evidentialist's bag of evidence, uh, every piece of it in there, and you still don't have a miracle. You still have to apply some faith to it. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's where we stand uh, on this, and then when we can get into more detail, that's still where we're going to stand. Um, so I, I look forward to getting there. Uh, next week, I have no idea what we're going to talk. I shouldn't say I have no idea. Um, we've we've talked about some fairly heavy things uh, from my side of it, and I'm thinking about lightening things up a little bit. So. Uh, a thing that I am considering uh, is defining Christianity. Uh, one of one of uh, the Christians' favorite pastimes is defining atheism for atheists. And every time they do that, atheists say, "No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're, you're just making up straw man." Uh, I think that maybe we will spend a little bit of time with Dale next week defining Christianity figuring out exactly what it is, what the boundaries are, if there's any way of knowing who's in and who's not, um, that might be fun. Okay. All right. So, I'll be waiting for your blog then. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I will probably work work up something like that unless, unless something happens today that sends me in another direction. In the meantime, look out for those uh, specials that are upcoming, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Have a great day, everyone.